Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. When I was a kid, which was about 212 years ago, I can remember being in school and we would learn some tongue twisters just for a fun activity to see who could say them the fastest. And so there's a couple of old ones that I remember, but I found a few new ones this week, or at least they were new to me. And so maybe you remember this one, she sells seashells by the seashore. That's pretty well known, right? Many people learned as a kid. How about this one here? How much wood would a wood? Those two I think are pretty well known. How about this next one? The sixth sick sheep's sixth sheep's sick. I can't even read that one. I don't know why I'm going to try to do that one really fast. A couple new ones to me, though, that are supposed to be really difficult, but I'd never heard before. Pad, I don't know what pad is. That might be like English or something. Pad, kid, poured, curd, pulled cod. Pad, kid, poured, curd, pulled cod. Anybody heard that one? Nope, it's weird. Okay, how much another one? This one's really long. Brisk, brave brigadiers brandish broad, bright blades, blunderbusses, and bludgeons, balancing them badly. It could get pretty challenging. Here's one more. If you must cross a course, cross cow, across a crowded cow crossing, cross the cross, course cow, across the crowded cow crossing carefully. How about that? So you can take, the, I'll send those to you later, I'll give them to you. You can take them home, you can practice, you can have a competition amongst your family to see who gets messed up. I'm not even going to try to do those over and over, because I am guaranteed I'll accidentally say a bad word, and that would be the opposite of what this sermon is supposed to be about. But it's fun to try them and say them, but sometimes our tongues get a little bit twisted up, and it becomes challenging. This morning, we are concluding this series called Entrusted. And so we have looked at so far that we're called to be entrusted with our time, simply meaning that every moment we have is a gift from God, and we don't know when our last moment will be. And so what are you doing to honor God with your hours and your days? And what decisions are you trying to make when you don't know the future, when you can talk to God about it, and he absolutely does? We talked about honoring God and being entrusted with our treasure, which simply just means that everything in this life and on this earth is the Lord's. Whatever we have, it's because God gave it to us, and we are called to be managers of that. So are we honoring him proportionally, faithfully, cheerfully, regularly? Last week, we looked at our talents and that God has created us to be a body and he has gifted you with different spiritual gifts, not so you get the big head, but instead so we can work together to build up the body and point other people towards Jesus Christ. This morning, we're gonna learn about how to be good stewards with our tongues and our words. If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter three. As always, if you don't have a Bible, there's one around you. You can take that, unless it's your neighbor's. Don't take that one. But if it's just a normal black Bible in the pew there, take that, put your name in it. That's our gift to you. Our scriptures are always on our screens here. James chapter three. Three warnings from James that we must know about the tongue. Number one, 
We have got to realize the power of the tongue. We're starting in James chapter three today, so be good stewards of God's word. We have to recap what happens in verses one or chapters one and chapters two because you don't start a movie one hour in. You don't read a book starting in the middle chapters. You wanna go from the beginning. James begins the book by telling us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kind. Through those trials, we learn to persevere, our faith and our character, they all grow in the midst of that. He says, don't just be hearers of God's word, but be doers. Don't show partiality. So if you see somebody who looks like they have a lot or they can do something for you, don't just be nice to them because of that. And when you see somebody who doesn't look like they have a lot or they won't be nice to you, don't be mean to them. That's not showing the love of Jesus to others. Instead, love your neighbor as yourself and know that faith without works is dead. Then we pick up James chapter three. Not many of you, should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James is continuing to teach about what it looks like to be a Christ follower. And he says, not many of you should presume or should try to be teachers. And some of you would say, well, I know exactly why he's saying that, because teachers are low-paid, overworked, and high-stressed. And all the teachers in the room say, yeah, you do. And so if we can take just a moment here and if we could appreciate our teachers, as Pastor Devin said, we're so thankful for our first responders. We see and we recognize that you who are past and current teachers, you are everyday heroes. And we know that you are underappreciated and we recognize you and we thank you for the difference that you're making in our children's lives and in the future. But James is not talking here about being a public school or a private school or a homeschool teacher. He's talking about being a teacher. And the churches say, a lot of you shouldn't consider that to be your lifelong goal or plan. And it's not because he was discouraging teachers. It's not because he was saying, don't do this if you don't have a calling. He's saying a lot of you want to do this, and it's not because you feel like you're good at it. A lot of you want to do this, and it's not because you had a mentor in your life, and you want to be a mentor. He goes, most of you are trying to be teachers because you want the authority, or you want the power, or you want the recognition, or you want the fame, or you want all these things, and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So don't be a teacher if that is your goal. But if God calls you to teach, do so. But know this and know it well, you're gonna be held accountable at a stricter level because you are teaching God's word. And that's a lot of responsibility. Verse two. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. His whole body. So he said, we all struggle We all have sins and we have errors in our life that are temptations and struggles that we walk through and places of darkness that seem to try to keep pulling us in. But if you can control your tongue, then let me tell you this, you must be a perfect person because of all the parts of the body, the tongue is the hardest one to control. So if you can control your tongue, you can control everything. Some of you are going, if this message is about controlling your tongue, I know seven people that need to be listening to this right now. And so don't let that be your motivation or your encouragement today that this message is definitely going to get texted to other people 
but instead that this message is for everyone who is here. And so even if you feel like you don't struggle with the words that you speak, that's not an issue for you. I pray you keep your heart and your mind open as to what God would reveal. Verse three. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by very... So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. I am not a horse rider, but I have been to the rodeo, and I've seen the little bits that they put in the horse's mouth, and then they are able to control the whole horse in the direction that it turns. I've seen boats and ships, and in comparison to the size of a boat or rudder, is very, very small, and yet it controls the direction. And so this picture that James is giving here says, compared to the size of a horse, a bit is very small, but it has a lot of control. Compared to the size of a ship, a rudder is very small, but it has a lot of control. Compared to the size of the body, the tongue is very small, but it has a lot of control. Do you remember the last time that your tongue got you in trouble? Do you remember when you said something that you should not have said and you maybe you knew you shouldn't have said it before you said it or maybe you didn't realize you shouldn't have said it until right after you said it, but then once it happened, you can't take it back. It's gone. A rock that's been thrown, you can't pull it back in. And so once you spoke those words, you go, that was definitely not the right thing to say. Was it in a moment of anger? In the heat of a difficult discussion? Were you upset? Were you hurt? Were you angry? Were you jealous? Sometimes our tongues get us in trouble because we don't think before we speak. Sometimes we don't pray before we proclaim. Sometimes we don't cool off before we just let it fly and we fall short because we can't control our tongue. And yet James says the tongue has a lot of power. It's very small. It can't lift anything heavy. It's not something that can push a lot of weight. It's not a weapon and that you would threaten somebody going, listen, don't mess with me or I will punch you with my tongue. That'd be weird and it wouldn't hurt. And yet he says the tongue is so dangerous. Have you thought about the way that others' words have affected you in your life? Words that you can still remember when they said that, how much it hurt. The way that your words speak to other people with your words, you can lift up or you can tear down. With your words, you can sway multitudes with lies or with truth. With your words, you can offer forgiveness or you can continue to divide. You can share the truth of God's love or you can steer people away from it. With your words, you can help or you can hurt. When our words are spoken, we never truly know how deep that they could hurt someone else, how far they might spread or the effect that they will have. So James says, you need to be very careful with the words that you speak and realize that you are representing your Savior and your character and your words are powerful. Number two, we have to know about the poison of the tongue. I read an article this week about the anniversary of the worst fire that was had in the state of Minnesota ever. It was 105 years ago this week. It said it was the driest of 48 years they'd ever had. And so here's a picture of some of this is from 1918. So there's not a lot of pictures and evidence that we have. But it says this fire was created because a train was going around a corner 
and the wheels and the trailing tracks got together and made a few sparks. And then those sparks caught fire and the wind blew the fire. In this fire of 1918, over a thousand lives were lost. Look at this second picture here. And so you think, what are they trying to build up a mound or stop the fire? They're digging a mass grave. That's what they're doing there. And so over a thousand lives were lost. 52,000 were injured or displaced. 38 communities were destroyed. 250,000 acres burned and it caused $73 million in damages. Now to us, $73 million is a lot. This was in 1918. So today, that would be $1.42 billion worth of damage. Numerous fires have been caused by many different things over the years, so it all started with just a spark. And James says the tongue is a spark that starts like a wildfire. Verse five. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. It only takes a few sparks, a little bit of wind, and a fire can consume miles and miles and miles. So it says, the tongue is like a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. Look at what the tongue can do. It can divide brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, husband against wife, friend against friend, church member against church member, nation against nation. The tongue is a world of evil. It is set amongst our body as just one part, but it can lead the whole rest of the body to sin and corruption. How is that possible? Because what sins can you think of that the tongue is not involved in in one way or the other? Just like a fire, the results are always destruction. The result of a fire, heat, and smoke, force are destroyed. The results of our tongues from lies, gossip, sinful talk, lives are ruined. But the tongue doesn't have a mind of its own. It doesn't just start speaking by itself. There must be a well somewhere. It has to have a source. Matthew 15. Do you not know that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. To control our tongues, we have to be able to control our heart. And that makes sense because if our heart is full of hatred and our heart is full of jealousy or pride or sinfulness, then the words that we speak are going to reflect what is in our heart. And we go, well, that makes sense. If this is the source and this is what comes out, then all I got to do is just make sure my heart is right. That can't be that hard. But can it? Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Every animal on the earth has been tamed. We got elephants standing on stools. We got king cobras doing dances. We got people who've trained crocodiles to open their mouth and they stick their head in there and train them not to bite down and take their life. All animals in the world, no matter how fierce and crazy, have been tamed 
And yet he says, no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of poison, like a snake full of venom waiting. So what do we do? You have to recognize. You have to recognize the danger of the tongue. It doesn't need to be handcuffed. It doesn't need to be put into a straitjacket. But I think we underestimate the poisonousness of our words. When we speak curses, we miss blessings. When we speak lies, we create a ripple that turns into a wave, which ends up being a tsunami. When we speak hatred, hearts are hardened. If we speak in pride, the spirit is quenched. When we speak in sin, our hearts are far from him. If what comes out of our mouths originates in our hearts, then that means if we are speaking sinful words, then we have sin in our heart. And if we're speaking poisonous words, then that means there's poison in our heart. And if we're speaking hatred, then there's hatred in our heart. And if we're being hurt, then there's hurt in our heart. Can you imagine the day that we stand before the Lord and God says, I wanna talk to you about those words that you spoke while you were down there on earth. I want you to know that I gave you a tongue to uplift and to encourage, a tongue to praise and to be thankful with, and yet with your tongue you lied and you gossiped, you hurt other people. I gave you a tongue that should have been filled with love and yet your tongue was filled with poison. How shameful we will feel before the Lord. To be good stewards of our tongues and our words, we have to know the power of our tongue that affects others, the poison of the tongue and the destruction it can cause, it will make fire spread. And then we must ensure, number three, the purity of the tongue. Some time ago, I was sitting in on Wednesday night and Pastor Zach was teaching a lesson to our students about sexual purity. And so these will be sixth through 12th grade students. If you don't know this, sexual immorality is as rampant today as it has ever been probably in the history of the world. And our young people are being taught things that are absolutely not in accordance to Scripture. And so some might say, he was talking about sex. To those students, are they old enough to hear about that? Yes, Yes, they are old enough to hear about that. And yes, they need to know what God's will is for our bodies and for our purity and that we are a temple and what is allowed and what is not allowed. And so I'm thankful that he's willing to take that stand. So on that day, it's a difficult topic to, uh, to talk about. I get it. Even in this room, we whisper sex or we say S-E-X. Don't even say the word outside because it can be uncomfortable. He has students everywhere from sixth grade to 12th grade, so he knew for many it'd be uncomfortable, so he started off the message like this. Hey, listen, tonight we're going to talk about purity and sexual morality. That's right. We're going to talk about sex. And so I know some of you can't contain it. I know you're going to get the giggles. You're going to think it's funny, so let's just get it all out there, okay? Let's just get it out of our system, and on the count of three, I want everybody just to scream the word sex, Okay, on the count of three, just let it fly. You can scream it and scream it till it's done. Then we can get down to business and look at scripture. And she so goes, okay, ready? One, two, three. And everybody's, sex. So I'm sitting in the back. Up here in the front, there's about 10 to 12 sixth grade boys. This is the greatest moment of their life. <laughs> I mean, they are screaming to where their eyes are popping out of their heads. They are laughing and smiling like if I was born for any moment, this is my moment right here. 
and they just thought it was the most amazing thing because isn't there something about getting to do or say something that you don't think is okay and it gets you a little bit excited? And so that's probably not a word that they use in front of their parents, certainly not at church, but at school or with their friends. Yeah, they do. So to be able to scream that word out in the church, they go, this is my moment. It was pure joy and exhilaration. James concludes this section by saying, here are the words that are okay to come out of your mouth, and here are the words that are not okay to come out of your mouth. Verse nine. With it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We know people who act one way over here, and then they act a different way over here. And they speak one way in this audience, and they speak another way in a different audience. We know students who act and talk one way in front of their parents a different way, and there's adults that do exactly the same thing. He says, there are people who come to church on Sunday morning, and whoo, they are singing, they are praising. But then I see them Sunday evening at the pickleball court, and the words coming out of their mouth are not the same as what I heard on Sunday morning. He says, with your tongue, you bless God, but you also curse people. The ESV says, hypocrisy, it is hypocrisy and folly to bless God in worship and then curse someone who's made in God's image. It shouldn't be so. From a spring, you can't get salt and fresh water. From an apple tree, you're not gonna get a banana. He says, from a donut tree, you're not gonna get a Brussels sprout. I wish there was donut trees. <laughs> then neither should there be blessings and curses out of the same mouth. So James paints a picture here of how contradicting this is. He says, it doesn't make sense. When you open up a red marker and you try to draw, you should have red, you open up a red marker and it draws blue. And so, if what in your heart is Christ, then you should speak words that would be Christ approved. But if what is in your heart is evil, then you're going to speak evil. And if what is in your heart is dark, you're going to speak dark. And if whatever in your heart is poison, then you're going to speak poison. Many of the conversations that we have in this place are very surface level on Sundays. You know some people in here outside. You see them at the ball field, they come to your house, you do holidays together, but a lot of other people you see here on Sundays, you see on Wednesdays, and we have a Sunday-Wednesday vocabulary. And so you hear them talk in a certain way here, and the way that you talk to people here on Sunday should not vary in the way that you talk to other people in HEB, or in the workplace, or on the ball field, or in your home. You should be speaking the same way to all people. And I know that when we're younger, and I was younger once 212 years ago, Sometimes it's cool to use foul language and to say bad words. Young people, listen to me. It's not cool. It's ignorant. It's immature. And it doesn't honor the Lord. Don't fall into that trap. There are people that we see who speak so nicely to your face and then speak poison about you behind your back. That's not honoring the Lord with your tongue. And you can fool me. You can fool your parents. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your family, your friends, your coworkers, but you can't fool God. So don't let your words be evil. Let your words be good. Don't tear down. Use your words to build up. Be a spring of encouragement and holiness, not discouragement and evil. 
And since the tongue is hard to control, make sure that you remind yourself that your tongue is a gift from God and he's gonna hold you accountable for all the words that you're gonna say. And because it's hard to control, ask for some accountability. It's okay to have people in your life. No, it's not okay. You should have people in your life whom you give permission to, to say, hey, listen, if the words come out of my mouth are not holy or representation of Jesus, you have the right to call me on that. If what I post on Facebook is not a representation of the Jesus who died for me, then you have the response to recall me and say, hey, that ain't right. You need to take that down. If I start to speak words of evil and hatred or have a foul mouth, and it's not pleasing to the Lord, you have permission. If I'm not speaking to my wife or my family or my kids in a way that honors the Lord, you have permission to hold me accountable. When I was a child, there was a comedian named Gallagher. And the only thing I really remember is he would smash watermelons with a big mallet. I don't know why that was so neat, because if I went to a comedian show and he smashed a watermelon and got all over me, I wouldn't go back no more. I would say, that wasn't fun, I don't like that. But that's what I remember. And in the Lord's perfect timing, a little video popped up on the Tic Tac, and it has Gallagher, and he's talking about the difficulties in the English language of words, how they're spelled, and how they're pronounced. Watch this. B-O-M-B, bomb. T-O-M-B, Tom, no, tomb. If T-O-M-B is tomb, that's boom, the bomb's over. But no, that's bomb, that's tomb. Get ready, is this calm or coom? No, that's comb. C-O-M-B, comb. P-O-M-B, poem. No, poem is P-O with an E with an M. Now, P-O-E-M, poem. H-O-E-M, home. No, home is H-O with an M with an E. H-O-M-E, home. S-O-M-E, some. No, that's some. S-O-M-E, some. N-O-M-E, numb. No, that's N-U-M-B. The whole doggone thing is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's silly. We watch and we go, you know, it's right, though. All these words are hard to pronounce. And sometimes we struggle and we wonder, what are the words that I should? Or what are the words that I should not be saying? What are the ways that I can honor and glorify God and be a good steward with my tongue? The tongue is powerful, small, but can do so much damage or so much good. The tongue can be poisonous if we allow sinful thoughts, pride, and evil into our hearts, which then sparks fires and it leads to destruction. The tongue must be pure. If it belongs to Jesus, then no word should come from our mouth that Jesus wouldn't say or support. So I pray that as you speak today, tomorrow, in the weeks to come, whether it be in response, retaliation, anger, pain, even in joy, that you would consider the words that you speak because these are words that God has entrusted to you.